Welcome to the Back Row Ravens Show, where we talk all things Baltimore Ravens. From player news, rumors, and even fantasy football expectations. And now, your hosts, Bob and Blake. What is up, everyone out there? Welcome to another episode of the Back Row Raven Show. Bob and Blake here with you. We want to thank you for listening to the show and spending a little time with us. However you're listening, if you're driving to work, if you're killing some time at work, whatever it is, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Ramey, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. As, as we speak, I'm currently doing my, uh, my fantasy football waiver claims this week. <laughs> I got I got always got to stay active. Yeah, always. yeah, you got to stay on top of it, man. We uh I've got to do that later on this evening when I get a little time to myself. I've got the uh back row or actually not the back row. I've got the Dynasty Pros fantasy show to record tomorrow night, so we're going to kind of recap a lot of waiver waiver stuff we always do. So uh So we're feeling good, huh, man? We're feeling good about our win against the Colts. Uh, you know, we're getting ready for the Patriots Sunday night. Um, but there's some, uh, there's been a little bit of news with the Ravens, especially today. Um, but let's start uh, a little bit. Let's, let's recap on the Calais Campbell, um, injury real quick, uh, calf strain, uh, supposedly he's going to miss, you know, quote unquote, multiple games. What have you seen about that? So yeah, I've seen that he's gonna miss multiple weeks with a a my like it's it's a minor injury, but it'll still hold him out for a couple weeks. What I'm hoping is, so I don't think anybody's really worried about his absence in this New England game because, I mean, let's just be real here. Anyways, the Tennessee yeah. game and the Pittsburgh game are the ones that's gonna be kind of worrisome, especially because everyone knows who has or Tennessee has in their backfield, and that's kind of what I feel we brought Calais Campbell to Baltimore for. So I mean, if he can't really make it there for that game, it it that's it is what it is. We have other great run stuffers like Derek Wolf, but Calais will certainly that absence will hurt. Yeah, but I yeah. hope he can make it back for Thanksgiving. I, I agree. Um, I'd love. I, I don't want him to miss the Tennessee game, especially the Pittsburgh game on Thanksgiving. But it's just that he disrupts a lot of plays, especially in the passing game. How many times do we see him bat down a ball every game? Right. You know? And you know the guy's eight feet tall. He's a ma- <laughs> he's a mountain of a of a of a human being, and he's just a pain in the ass for for the offensive line and the other the other team's offense. So we want him to be healthy, but we want to get him back uh, as soon as we can. Yeah, and those calf injuries, I mean, they can they can linger. So I really don't want to force him back, especially with a guy that's. I mean, he, he's on the older side. Obviously, he's the, he's the ageless wonder, and I'm not really worried about his play, but. I don't want to really test his body and test his limits too much because I don't want this to turn into anything more than it already is. Yeah, so, we're gonna yeah. need him. We're gonna need him down the road. So, exactly. Yeah, we don't want to. Um, we don't want to mess with that at all. And you know, we've got that Patriots game coming up, and then the week after that, we've got the Titans game, and then it's the Steelers. So we got two big ones. Mm-hmm. Let, Very big ones. Yeah. Let's hope that maybe we get him back for the Titans game. I would like to see him then. Um, it's a home game, so. Um, I'm really looking forward to see if we can get him back then. Um, strangely enough, speaking of injuries, we haven't really heard, we haven't heard much on Mark Ingram. Listen, he's missed a lot of practices over the last week and a half, almost two weeks. Um, 
But you and I, we've we've done some digging, and we can't find anything as far as him practicing this week. Uh, so far, I mean, it is Tuesday right now, so we haven't heard anything about yesterday. We haven't heard anything about today. Uh, we haven't seen that he's going to hopefully give it a go, um, you know, tomorrow. So I, I don't know if that's good news or bad news, but I would imagine if, if, if he were on the practice field that we'd be seeing that on Twitter, you know, Zebrick or someone would be tweeting that out there. And the fact that we're not hearing that kind of kind of worries me for his, uh, you know, his availability Sunday night. And we probably really don't need him. So, you know, just like Calais Campbell, let's just make sure that everybody's right, right and everyone's healthy. Um, so maybe he sits out another game. But right now, we don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, for Mark Ingram, I, I really don't worry about the, these early week practices. When I start to get worried is when I don't see him really practicing out there on a Wednesday or a Thursday or even a – well, if he doesn't practice on a Friday, at that point you're just kind of assuming that he's not going to be on the field. And again, he's not – I mean, Mark Ingram is one of those guys we're running the ball well without him. I mean, if, if he's there, he's there. I mean, he, he's a great player, and there's, I'm not trying to discredit him at all. I mean, I, I'd love to have him back 100%. But again, there's no point to rush him back, especially when you got guys like obviously Gu- or Gus and Dobbins running the ball very well. And even if he does come back, I, I'd imagine he'll be back on a limited basis, getting just a couple carries, nothing too crazy. But yeah, I don't see the point in um, rushing him back if he can't. But if he's ready to go, then why not? Yeah, yeah, so I'm pretty... Uh... Like I said, let's let's be careful when it comes to him. We don't have to rush him back just like Calais. Um, and, he, and I think, Mark, I think he's really going to show how important he is to this team, especially down the stretch when the postseason comes around. Because, I mean, for that Tennessee game, he was one who wasn't there. And I think mm-hmm. we, he's one of the reasons we abandoned the run because he had that, uh, I think, it was, again, it was a calf strain. I think it was a calf strain, oddly enough. But, yeah, I think he's going to be one. So I just want to preserve him as much as we can. Yeah, I tend to agree there. Um, so we'll see how that we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll keep everyone updated on our Twitter page, and and I know you're pretty active on Twitter as well. So you'll uh, you'll be on top of that. Oh yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> you'll be on top <laughs> of that too. So here's some some interesting news before we get uh, into a signing that we made today. But Tavon Young restructured his contract today, which is really 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 nice. Um, he converted. Let's see, he converted two and a half million of his base salary into a bonus this year. So it freed up about two and a half million more uh, in cap space for us right now. And then next year he agreed to drop his five and a half million base salary uh, to a little over two and a half million. So uh, almost another $3 million in cap savings next year. I think that he probably saw the writing on the wall and thought maybe he's probably going to get cut next year especially with the cap issues, uh, with the NFL possibly dropping the salary cap. So I think it was a wise move on his behalf. I, I think this pretty much keeps him on the roster for next year. So Yeah, I think this is a win-win for both sides. I think this is a move virtually anybody saw coming, to be honest with you, because I mean, Tavon Young, I mean, the contract at the time was a, it was a good contract. He was the best nickel corner in the league when we paid him. But... Um, yeah, he's still 26. He, I mean, he'll be 27 in March. So, I mean, even if he wants to get another contract, I don't think that's really out of the question. But, yeah, I think that at this point we were really kind of paying injuries. And Tavon Young, I think he's a guy who we want back because when he's on the field and he's healthy and playing, 
he's pretty effective to say the least. So yeah, I like the move. Yeah, and I'm rooting for him. I mean, gosh almighty, it's you know you feel bad for the guy. He busted the injury his butt. bug, man, yeah, man. <laughs> oh, it's he, the worst. He busted his tail to get back, and then he gets hurt again. And that poor guy. So we're really rooting on him and hope that uh, he comes back 100 percent, man. And and you know we get a return on that investment. But I think it was a good good move. It frees up some cap room for right now. It frees up cap room. Uh, for next year as well. And speaking of that cap room that they uh, freed up, hmm, it's kind of strange. They went out and spent a little money right after doing that, and and the Ravens signed 37-year-old uh, Tremont Williams, uh, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, uh, to to a contract, a little bit of depth. Um, but, you know, what's your thoughts on that? I think this is a move, well, before the year, and still, like, we're still a great secondary, obviously, but I think that was the, the position group. No one really saw it there was going to be an issue with. But, I mean, injury is one – I mean, one thing leads to another. You really – it's kind of out of your control at that point, and especially when your best corner gets COVID. So I think at this point, especially with Khalil Dorsey's injury, I mean, I don't – at this point, you're kind of looking for corner death anywhere you can get it. And I was confused, and I still don't get it. And I, I don't think I'll ever get it because I don't seem like they're going to answer the question. Brandon Carr, like, I don't understand why that call was never made, especially because he knows the system. But Tremont, I know we had mentioned before the show, we were talking about it. I mean, he, he was super quick when he was younger. He, obviously, he's 37, so the age is kind of a concern. But, I mean, I think he's going to come in. He plays slot. Well, he I'm when he was younger, he started out at the uh, as an outside corner. But as he's progressed in age, he moved to the slot, so now I guess Marlon can move from the slot back to the outside. I guess that gives him more flexibility there. Yeah, there's a lot of experience there, and and you know he's 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 pretty durable. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube video. I was watching the thing, uh, you know, earlier talking about his work his work ethic right now. Even being out, he's been homeschooling his kids, you know, due go. to COVID and. Um, and even his personal trainer says the guy never gets tired. I mean, they work out all the time. He never gets tired. Um, he's just a, a fitness freak, and uh, that's great. That's great for us. But, yeah, I, I wondered about the Brandon Carr thing because I think everyone was thinking, why, why would they not? I, I cannot see a situation where they didn't call Brandon Carr. Maybe he's still a little burnt up. Maybe he's a little upset that, that we cut him, you know? I because well, I know he started out on the Cowboys this year. So, I mean, I guess it could go one of two ways. I guess either we made the call and he wasn't very interested. I guess maybe he's doing his own thing right now. He doesn't really want to play football this year, maybe next year. Or we just, I guess, didn't want to make the call. But I can't believe, knowing Harbaugh and how familiar he is with the scheme, I can't imagine they wouldn't have made that call. But I think Tremont Williams is, like, your next best option, maybe even a better option. He's 37. He's a vet, obviously. So I think I don't think uh, coming in and learning a scheme will be too hard for him, and I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't really keep on up on like too much Tremont Williams last year, but I mean he's if you look at the stats, he was pretty effective, two interceptions, about like forty tackles, so I think he can come in and just really provide what we need at that corner depth, and I guess at this point, like I said, we, we're really looking for corner depth anywhere. You know, I think that they made that. You can tell in the last two games, the Colts and the Steelers really picked on Bonds. I mean, they were singling him mm, out very bad, and 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 I'm thinking this is a d- direct result of that. But yeah, Brandon Carr not not looking at him is kind of strange. Maybe listen, if the Cowboys cut him, 
at, with their their horrible defense, man, that must say a lot. So yeah, and um, I feel, yeah. It's funny you mentioned Ter- uh, Terrell Bond because I feel so bad for the guy, and I feel this. I felt the same way for Anthony Averett. So I mean, I, it's kind of different situations, but I mean, he's a practice uh, squad corner, and everyone's giving the guy crap. But I mean, what do what do you expect? Like he he didn't expect to be here. And to be honest with you, for a practice squad corner, like he isn't playing horrible. Like he's obviously getting targeted, but. I, there's definitely some potential there, and of course, of course, they gave him a bone and he dropped it. He, oh man, I would have loved to see him get that pick. But uh, like yeah, you texted me, I, I, was it you that texted me and said uh, if uh, if Marlon was playing, that was a pick six? <laughs> I think I, uh, someone uh, texted me right after that and said, hey, if that was Marlon, that was a pick six. So uh, you know, I thought that was you. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm still. Um, I'm I'm pretty impressed with how the defense played in that Colts game. Um, it it was really it was kind of a almost a tale of two halves when it came to the offense, but the defense. I mean, they gave up that touchdown, um, and that was it. That was ball game, man. We gave up three points after that. So here's my question. Here's yeah. my question for you. Was it an interception? What do we think? I didn't think so. I I'm gonna. I think it was. I, I that just you know what I mean. I, I got. I was literally me and my friend were screaming at each other, arguing. He he saying it wasn't. I was saying it was, and I mean it. It was such a tough call, but I don't know. It. I mean I wasn't complaining with the call. You know no but, no absolutely not. I mean we've had a lot of them go against us and everything, but um you know I'm sitting on the couch. I'm I'm watching it you know with my buddy MJ. You know he comes over every week. We're both you know he's a huge Ravens fan as well. And, uh, you know, we let the kids play together out in the yard and, you know, mess around. And me and him were yelling at the television. But um, I looked over at him and I said, yeah, I don't think that's a pick. I mean, it just never really seemed like he had control of it. Um, It just, you know, he was kind of hanging on by a thread when he did have it. Mm. And so um, I didn't think it was a pick, but you can – the point is, is you could argue that it was and that – yeah, I mean, it, that that blew my mind, but I'll, I'll take it, you know. I, I'll take a call that goes our way any day. And with that interception, I saw an interesting uh, little fact. So Mar- or Marcus Peters now puts himself with, I don't know if you saw this, I tweeted it out, but. I think so I he, did. He inserts himself with Ed Reed and Deion Sanders as the only, well, only three players now with 30 interceptions in their first 85 career games. That is incredible. And what great company! I'm so happy for him. All four, all of them are Ravens too. Right, exactly. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, that was great. But you know, the game uh, was very, very frustrating in the first half. Uh, Baltimore just they abandoned it. Seemed Wasn't like the pretty. running game. Uh, we didn't play Baltimore football. Uh, I, you know, we come out, you know, slinging the ball around again. But uh, it, it was very, very frustrating. Um, especially in that first half. The offensive line didn't play very well in that first half. You know, Lamar, if you look at Lamar's box score, he was 19 for 23 passing. So the guy only had four incompletions. But no, uh, And no incompletions in that second half. That second half was a beauty. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't know. That first half seemed almost like they just thought they would show up and, and win or something like they – 
didn't have any fire going. So I imagine, you know, halftime speech probably, uh, yeah, like, I'd say coach kind of lit him up a little bit. Yeah, through these games, like, I'm, I'm up and down the whole entire game. And I, I try not to read too much into it be, just because, I mean, Skura, those, those snaps were pretty ugly, and Bozeman was getting pushed back. He had a couple rough snaps, but um, it's it just, I, I think it's really the injuries. I think this is bound to be kind of a tough like, offensive game, at least coming out of the gates with, I mean, with Stanley's injury, obviously. Yeah. But I think it does mean a lot for this offense to just come out in that second half and Lamar really, I mean, where we've been criticized all year by the media and virtually really anybody, I think it means a lot for this team to just come out in that second half and go perfect, really. Like, that was really a perfect half of football, especially compared to that first half, at least. And really, I mean, the offense has been pretty stagnant all year. I know we're putting up points, but it's not pretty. You know what I mean? So I think it's just important to keep building off this and stringing off performances like this. And the Colts, we had mentioned this on last week's podcast, they're no slouch. Like that, their second no. run defense and the defense is incredible. Justin Houston, Darius Leonard, like you can't take this win for granted. Yeah, Lee, Darius Leonard was a freaking oh, machine, right? Gosh, Almighty, he was all over the place. He made um, he flattened the Gus bus. He did it. Gosh, I was almighty. like, what? That dude, dude he's is a great a, player. He is a monster, man. Gosh, he is something I mean, else. I I could sit here and clown Philip Rivers all day. And yeah, I forgot to force Buckner too. I could sit here and clown Phillip Rivers all day, but again, like this is a AFC playoff contender. I mean, now we just knocked them down to in the hunt, but you can't take this win for any types of granted, especially how we've been playing this year. And I, I think this is a huge win, really, because now, and as I mentioned, we we knocked them down to in the hunt. So at this point, we're kind of just solidifying our our ticket to the dance. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and I think the uh, the loss of Calais Campbell in the game kind of threw him off a little bit as far as our pass rush and 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 how our defense played. It was kind of uh, I don't know. It just threw a little bit of a monkey wrench in the you know in the game plan. So and um, even and even Khalil Dorsey going down like that's a practice squad corner getting hurt, and at that point you're just like like what? And I think Marcus Peters needed a game like this because. Marcus Peters all year, he's been kind of underwhelming in a sense. Like he's had his interceptions and his fair share of plays, but I think he like this was a breakout game. He was he played perfect virtually. Yeah, he played he played pretty well. There's there was a couple of plays watching on defense right. where he didn't want to tackle, he didn't want to wrap up. <laughs> he just he wanted to go and try and strip the ball, and that drives me absolutely flipping crazy sometimes. And and, and we've all seen it. We're going to continue to see it, but when a guy goes in and just lays a shoulder into some dude and thinks they're just going to go down and they just bounce right off and pick up another seven yards, uh, you know, or the first down or something, when you think you've got them stopped and, and they don't want to wrap them up. And some of these corners are like that. And and Peters is one of those guys. Every once in a while he'll lay the wood, but um, I've seen more than than enough of, of him not wrapping wrapping people up but I do agree he really needed to step up in this game and, and kind of show something especially with Mar- you know with Marlon Humphrey out he had to kind of show that he could be that guy he could be that leader he could make an impact and he absolutely did he played still a fantastic ball game had that interception that you and I were talking about a few minutes ago uh so very very happy with that um yeah, real quick, I do want to go back to, um, just real quick, because I just saw this tweet came through. So we were talking about Mark Ingram earlier, and if this isn't Mark Ingram related, but um, someone's just tweeting Jeff Zebrick about, um, like, does he think Ben Powers will get a shot? 
So the first extended practice of the week is tomorrow. So if we're really going to find out any Mark Ingram injury or like update, that'll be tomorrow. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah, no, that's cool. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of our fans would like to know, but there's a lot, a lot of fantasy football players out there that want to know too. And I'll be talking about that. If I see any news on that, I'll be talking about it on the Dynasty Pros Fantasy Show tomorrow night because – there's a lot of people that are playing Gus Edwards, and, and, and J.K. Dobbins is getting Mate. a lot of love right now. Those so. are two good fantasy backs right now, I'll say. Absolutely. So, so yeah, yeah, we're going to keep an eye on that most definitely. And and speaking of those running backs, I mean, did you just think that there was just a lack of, of, of just the running game in general just looked, I mean, blah? I, I mean, you know, Dobbins had 12 carries, Gus had 11 but, man, it, to me, it didn't even feel like they had that many. I mean, J.K. had had 30 yards rushing. Gus had 23 yards. I mean, that's 53 yards of rushing between our two running backs. That's awful. Right, awful. and I think it was one of those games where, I mean, we weren't running the ball, but it felt like we weren't just because we're so used to those explosive run plays. But, I mean, in total, I think we averaged three yards a carry among the whole team. But, I mean, and I think we had 111 rushing yards, which is – between all of our rushers, including Lamar, obviously. So, I mean, in, like, just in general, it, it's a decent game, but, like, for Ravens, like, Ravens football, it's not an amazing game, and you kind of want to see more out of that, but um, I don't Listen, know. I, like, I think... Yeah, like you said, the Colts had a great... They've got a great defense. They've got a right. great defensive line, so... But so did Pittsburgh, and we right. just... We just absolutely manhandled Pittsburgh still lost the game whatever we talked about that last week but we manhandled those guys we dominated I just wanted to see that I wanted to see us kind of break Indianapolis as well because they've kind of had an easy schedule up to this point until they faced us I just wanted to see us just just absolutely dominate them in the running game I I think there was uncertainty in my mind about how we would come out and run the ball just well I didn't expect us to run the ball so well in Pittsburgh. I really didn't expect that to happen because we ran the ball damn well, I'll say, against the number one running defense. And then this week we played the number two running defense. So I was optimistic that we could get some good uh, some good runs off. But they kind of – I mean, they, they held us. They, they stood us up several times. But I think it was a blessing in disguise, really. And I love the run game. I know you love hard-nosed Ravens football just running the the, uh, the rock down their throat. I we all do, really, just having that control of the game. But I think it was a blessing in disguise. I think Lamar coming out and really winning the game in the air, pretty he was pretty darn successful, too. Like His arm looked probably the best I've seen it all year, just making those right decisions. And I think this is what I wanted to see from him, no turnovers, making the right decisions. Like It seemed like he couldn't do any wrong. There were a couple, I think there was one ball that I remember he threw in harm's way, and then he just bounced back from it. But... 19 for 23, like, that's perfection. And I think 23, like, in that range, like, 23 to 27, and I think that's the number of times you want Lamar throwing the ball. Because, like, all these losses that were, like, really taken, like, I remember the the playoff loss last year, he's throwing 59 times. Like, I think 27 in, like, that that range is perfect for him. Yeah, if he's throwing 50 times, buddy, we, oh, could, yeah. we could kiss a goodbye, <laughs> man, because that's a that's that's not a good sign. We're playing from but, way, way behind at that point. But th- th- this is big for Baltimore because, and I don't want to take this loss for granted at all because, I mean, I think that's what, as Ravens fans, sometimes we get away from, especially nowadays because we're so used to just knocking people out. And But we took a... We took an uppercut 
we were down 7-0, or was it 7-0 at the half? We were down at the half, regardless. We were down the, uh, 10, to, 10 to 7 at the half. 10 to 10 to 7. We, we were down 10 to 7 at the half, and our, we, we, didn't, we didn't even have an offensive touchdown. Nope. So, I mean, we know how Greg Roman gets when he's down at the half. Like, he's either going to come out and panic and abandon that, that run, and he's just going to start throwing. But I think this is great for us. We, we came out, we took some punches, we bounced back, and we proved that we can win a game from behind against a 5-2 and two Colts team. Like, you can't take that for granted. You absolutely cannot because they, they, we probably won't see them in the playoffs, but they're a team that we could see. So I think this is important. Yeah, we completely shut them out in the second half. They didn't score right. a point. They didn't exactly. score a point in the second half. So, I mean, the whole second ta- second half of that ball game, we, they had no chance in the world. We dominated every moment uh, of the and, second and half. That defense, like, and you want to give them all the credit in the world because they had every excuse to come out and just actually struggle, but they dominated. And it's so scary because – I mean, next week we get L.J. Fort back. We get a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, arguably, and Marlon Humphrey. So I think, like, I'm getting that those 2017 Ravens defense. Like, like that's what I'm, like, that's what I'm seeing. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that dominant Ravens defense, and I love it. Yeah, and 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 you know, we we're kind of talking about you know that defense and how well they played, um, which was which was wonderful. Like you said, Lamar played a great game, especially in the second half. I'd like to have seen a little bit more in the running game, but our passing game looked uh, it was interesting to say the least. Because here, off the top of your head, do you know who our leading receiver was for the game? Is it Willie? No, no. Who is it? It was Nick Boyle. <laughs> was it really? It really was. How, he had, how many receiving yards did he have? He had four catches for forty-six yards. He was our yeah, leading that... receiver. Now, now okay. listen, Will, Willie Willie Sneed had four catches for thirty-seven yards. Yeah, I know um, they were all pretty close, and I, know, I think Hollywood had thirty-eight. I believe. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood had three grabs for thirty-eight. So, I was really looking forward to seeing what they did with Hollywood in the game because obviously, you know, that squeaky wheel gets the grease, whatever that old saying is, and. You know, with that tweet that he had had, you know, I wanted to see them get him involved, and he obviously got some looks, got some touches. Uh, I want to see more of that. Um, we didn't really see much from Dez. We were really kind of <laughs> excited. I, I was super, super stoked to see. I wanted to see Dez Bryant do something. Um, so I may we're gonna have to wait till Sunday night and see if something yeah, happens I there. I think you see Dez. I think they're just treating him like any other practice squad player, not like Des Bryant. Like, I, but I think you'll see him in the, those games later in the year, or even this Sunday if we dominate, he'll be in there. And but yeah, I think I don't know. I just love seeing Des on the football field. You know what I mean? And I know he's happy too. He said just having that competitive nature back and being on the field, not watching at home, is different for him, and he loves just being back. So I think he's there with the right mentality, and I just think it's a perfect fit. Maybe maybe a couple years too late, but um. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I want to see Mark Andrews get back involved. He had mm-hmm. three he had three catches for like twenty two yards. So, um, you know, he's been really really quiet the last few weeks. And I know for fantasy football players out there, that's driving them crazy uh, because he's just not been putting up any fantasy points for for guys, especially the way they drafted him as most likely you know the number three number four tight end in their leagues. Um, but I, we need to see him get him a we we need to get him a touchdown. He needs yeah, it's almost like he's in a little bit of a funk and we need we need a slump buster. We need to get him in there and uh Oh yeah. You know. I, I think we start to see more of him 
like just down the stretch because this offense really is in a funk right now, and I think it's this is the first time we've seen this offense open up and look efficient. And it wasn't even the first half; it was really just predominantly the second half. And also, this is one thing. I, I mean, obviously Lamar was nineteen for twenty three, but even one of his incompletions was a drop pass. So like, and and I think him and Mark need to get that chemistry back. But I think it's good to get Willie Snead more developed and get Willie Snead as more of like a like a natural partner offense because, I mean, the Steelers game, he obviously went off, and then the Colts game, he, when he had four catches, you said. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just important to get him then week by week and then go back to your, your 89 and your 15 because I think if you get 83 more involved, it's just going to open up more for us. You know, I Boyle. agree. Yeah, absolutely. With the Nick Boyle, and you got to think, you know, those four catches and then, you know, eight eight catches between, you know, Willie Sneed and Nick Boyle. Um, you know, some of that a lot of the time would go to Mark Andrews. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of making that other weapon known to the defense exactly. would be nice. You know, one thing I really want to see that I have not seen and it's driving me crazy is Lamar's not throwing the ball downfield. I am wanting to see them chuck the ball downfield to Hollywood. I want to see him just, you know, just go straight down the damn field. And have we even seen that at all this year? I mean, I can't think of anything. I mean, maybe I'm missing something. The only one that I can really remember that worked, I remember remember week one, he hit the one to Hollywood. It was a deep ball, and it was really on the money. But, I mean, other like if we're talking about just completions – Mm-hmm. It's been pretty tough. Like, I think a lot of these Hollywood is breaking loose. Lamar just needs to hit the throw. And for a lot of these games, and especially come January, Lamar is going to have to hit like two to th- four big throws. And those are those are those throws. Like, because if Hollywood breaks loose, like the Chiefs game, I can remember he he actually burnt some of these corners. And for a game, especially against Kansas City, where we're going to have to match the pace. Like I mean, these are walk-in touchdowns potentially, and you gotta hit those throws, no doubt. Yeah, and and the thing with that is, even if you don't make the completion, it still keeps the defense honest. You want to take, the, you want to stretch them out a little bit so it opens right. some things up for the running game. If if not, they're gonna keep creeping up, you know, stacking the box. We want to try and blow the lid off of that thing, and even even if it is an incompletion, we want that threat to be we want I just, I, we just need that so yeah that's something that i want to see us improve on uh this second half of the season without a doubt but yeah that you know that was a pretty good game you know marcus peters had a great yeah, yeah you know a guy that really stood out you know to me was malik harrison absolutely and i didn't notice how much of an impact because i really when i watch these games i don't watch it in depth until after, so I, I like to go back and watch some like film or some like little clips of what yeah. happened. So Malik Harrison, I, I mean he was all over the field apparently. Eleven tackles and there's one clip that I saw on Twitter. He takes on Quentin Nelson, the All Pro right guard, and pushes him back, which not many people can do. So I think that just goes to show how strong this kid is, and and him and Queen, they're both so talented, but they're kind of polar opposites in a sense. Like, Malik Harrison is that, that downhill guy on a rumbler. Like, he just gets in there. I mean, Queen does too, but Queen's more passive and knows how to attack it like, and take the angle. But Malik, man, he's a thumper. Like, <laughs> you love it. And I think we 
we just found two gems at inside linebacker. We really did. We really, really did. And they're just they're babies. They're rookies right now. My gosh. Now, let's not talk. Let's not talk about Patrick Queen too much, because I mean, I know you love your Patrick Queen. I I do, and 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 I like that these guys. You know, we've got them wrapped up for the next five years, which is fantastic. You know, something I do worry about though. Hmm. I worry about Orlando Brown, and 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 what I mean by that is when 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 Stanley got hurt and we moved. Orlando over when we move Zeus over to left tackle I I there's part of me and I and I saw it and I thought this and and then I kind of started seeing it on like I think Zebrick or someone tweeted it I'm not sure it may not have been him it don't really matter but I it worries me that I think what we're gonna lose we're gonna lose Orlando Brown now like we're not going to be able to tie him up. We're not going to be able to lock him up unless he, you know, he gives us a, you know, a little bit of a discount because him playing at left tackle for this second half of the season is going to show the rest of the NFL that he can play left tackle. He, and at, he, right. I, I I like that you brought this up. I'll let you finish your point. But no, no. But I'm just thinking it's going to price us out of the market unless he gives us a break. Um, I just think that uh, you know that, that that was pretty much that was my point. You know what I'm getting at. Anyone that's listening right now knows what I'm getting at, and it's a concern of mine that um, he's going to show that he can play left tag when he can play it very very well, and um, somebody's going to somebody's going to open up the checkbook for him. Wait, and in the NFL, especially because the tackle position, it's so hard to come by a, a premier tackle, so you lock him up whenever you can. So we've already paid one, and the question is, do you pay another one? But I think where we're fortunate with Orlando, and, and this is all assumption. Like I, this is no, no like no facts here, but this is just my take on it and my opinion. So fortunately, we're bringing a guy that he's a hometown kid. His dad played here, obviously. You see, whenever he, wherever he goes, he's always repping the the Orioles hat or just anything Baltimore related. So I think we have that that hometown discount potentially. But it just depends. But I, I think he's in a really good situation here, and I think he would love to be a Raven for life. Because, I mean, it, it really, for him, just seemed like the type of guy he is, it seems like a legacy thing. You know what I mean? I think he wants to carry on that legacy. And I could be wrong, but this is just how I, how I perceive it. And I, I would love to keep Orlando. And I th- he, took, he had a lot of criticism early in the year because, I mean, he was playing with Marshall Yonda, a Hall of Fame right guard through the, the early years of his career. So I think it was hard for him to come out and play without Yana for the first time. But now that you throw him on the left with the, a talented guard in Bozeman, he's starting to succeed. But I think someone might – I think you're right. I think someone might throw a lot of money at him, especially considering if he's able to play right and left tackle, that's – I mean, that, that's pretty well, impressive. you know, on the flip side of that, thinking about it, maybe it keeps the Ravens from really blowing a lot of money at right tackle because if – you know, TJ Fluker or someone like that plays well at right, then maybe the Ravens look at it the other way and go, well, maybe we don't need to invest so much money in our right tackle that maybe we could find some guys out there that we can plug and play there um, that can move, you know, move the line. Um, So, you know, it's just a thought. 
It's just a thought there when it comes to that right tackle, left tackle thing. Because I don't want to see Zeus go anywhere, man. I want to keep him there. But listen, we don't have an unlimited amount of money. We've got, you know, Mark Andrews is, from what I see, is the next guy to get extended and get wrapped up. And then obviously we've got Lamar and um, kind of going from there. Hey, and we're in like a, a very awkward spot with that cap situation right now because. Everyone kind of knows that Lamar's contract's coming. Like we don't know how much it's going to be, but we know it's going to be a significant amount of money. Obviously, we don't know the the um, like how long it's going to be. We don't really know the the guarantees or whatever the deal or like what it's going to look like. But I think for Orlando again, we're fortunate because, for example, Stanley. I think everyone thought Stanley was going to run our pockets, but I mean, if you look into the deal for Stanley, we got him for cheaper than we could have imagined. Because he, uh, anybody that watches football, and this isn't even a Ravens fan take, this is just a football fan. If you watch Tunsil and Stanley, Stanley blows him out of the water, and Stanley could have reset this market easily. Absolutely. But he didn't. But Absolutely. he didn't. Yeah. He took that team deal because he knows that Lamar's deal is coming. But he still got paid. Like, yeah, there's, there's... And, and there's been a couple of signings. You know, if you go back a couple of years, I mean, when we wrapped up, uh, well, not wrapped up, but when we locked up uh, or extended Peters, well, that didn't come out right. But anyways, um, <laughs> 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 anyways, but when we um, when we signed him to it, to that extension, and the same thing with Tavon Young, if you kind of look at it, their their extensions expire when Lamar's you know, when Lamar's new contract would start. Um, so, you know, that's a couple of things to keep in mind, uh, you know, keep in mind there. So, you know, we might be uh, waving bye-bye to someone like Marcus Peters at that time once uh, Lamar's new contract kicks in. Yeah, and I, I don't, I try not to worry about the O-line in particular too much because, I mean, obviously we're so far removed from this draft, but if I had to guess, looking at the, the current state of the roster, I like to get into the draft, but not this early. But I, I've read some Ravens mock drafts just because they've been on my, my timeline and whatever the case may be. But if I had to guess, we're probably going to go interior O-line. So, I mean, I think we'll get it figured out. But, yeah, that, that Lamar, and the tag, the tag is always going to be interesting to keep around, too, because Peters, man, ew, and, like and, these, and, these contracts have you spinning. Well, <sighs> what's, you know, what are we going to have to spend on Mark Andrews? You know, right. Uh, um, right. obviously seeing what uh, what Kelsey's being paid, Kittle, um it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, we certainly don't want to see him go anywhere. Um, and the, these sacrifices, they're going to be – and it makes you wonder, though, because, like, we always think, like, do we have to make sacrifices? Then you see teams like Kansas City seemingly lock up, like, every player they got. It's it's, it's really tough. And I think for even Stanley, the cap, I, I, like I said, I don't try to worry about this too much because there's so many ways you can work around it. I often make the joke that salary cap's a myth, which is it's a total joke, obviously. But there's so many like ways to work around this, whether it's a restructure or backloading a deal or re-signing a guy and freeing up more cap so you can afford the guy this year. And I, I try to, man, you should see me trying to understand that salary cap. But, hey, listen, the, the the Cowboys did that for years when they had like Tony Romo and Dez, and they were trying to. Oh man, they Jerry Jones finagled that that salary cap as much as he could, and it really bit him in the butt because all the dead money and everything they had to deal with for the last few years was all because of that. So 
it, it, you've got to be very, very careful with that. And, you know, you kind of referred to Kansas City and the money that they're spending, but really they only have like three guys on their defense they're really spending any any good good coin on, and that right. obviously is is Tyron Matthew and, and Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Uh, other than that, I can't think of anyone else on that defense. I mean, no linebackers or corners that they're really dropping a big, big, uh, big time money, you know, versus us where we've got Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. And well, we did have, you know, Earl Thomas there for a minute, but Brandon, (laughs) Brandon Williams, you know, we're dropping some cash on. Um, But it also makes you wonder, even for a guy like Deshaun Elliott, like he's not going to get crazy money. But like he's playing pretty good ball, hey, and he's he's Chuck up for Clark, that contract. You know, right. Chuck Clark, we well, we signed he, him. Yeah, he got resigned in. Yeah, we signed him to year. like a three year extension, yeah. and then we we were talking about Tavon Young earlier, and Tavon Young got a a very very big contract. Uh, you know, for a, that kind of slot corner. And um, if, yeah, yeah, if there's any guy I trust to not put us any any cap casualties and like any cap issues. I mean, it's, it's Eric DeCosta. He's probably one of my favorite human beings, <laughs> so I, I I trust him. And um, yeah, I I think we'll be good. And obviously, we'll we'll face this down the road when we get there. But man, it's it's going to be a crazy future for this young team. That's yeah. one of that's one of the things about having a young team. When when those contracts come around, it's going to be tough. And you know, we talked about it in in previous shows where, uh, you know, when you looked at it last year, I think in the NFL last year, no team, um, had more money invested in their defense than the Baltimore Ravens. But yep. But no team had any less money in you know invested in their offense, their offense than the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so we knew that that was going to flip at some point, and you know because Lamar, because of Stanley, because of Orlando Brown, Mark Andrews, um, you know Hollywood Brown will be coming up at some point, you know in a, in a couple of years. So yeah, a lot of this is going to shift over to the offense, and, and we're going to see some sacrifices made on that defense. Yeah, and like you just mentioned before real quick, so like Chuck Clark's extension, I, I think EDC does a great job for guys like just that little Chuck Clark deal. Because Chuck Clark now, like if he went on the market, he'd get some pretty good I'm, If I, rem, I don't know yeah. off the top of my head. I'm not reading the numbers, but I think his deal was $18 million f- for three years, I believe. I believe it was, yeah. And that's, I mean – Six million annual salary. Obviously, he probably gets paid like a different amount every year, but um, like that's pretty good for Chuck Clark. Like Chuck Clark's playing some really good ball this year, and this might be he's definitely a candidate for one of the most underrated players on our team, hundred percent. Absolutely. So yeah, I think like I think and even Ricard, I Pat Ricard, we signed him. I mean, I know he's a fullback, obviously, but still, you don't. I think EDC does a great job for even these minor deals, just getting these guys locked up before they're due for a, a bigger contract. Yeah, so it's very, very interesting to see how that's going to unfold over the next couple of years. Um, but if we're going to trust anyone, uh, EDC is the guy to genius. trust. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. he's beautiful, beautiful man. I love him. <laughs> I love him. So let's, okay, so we're off of that, uh, you know, we're kind of off of that Colts recap and, and what we saw there. So, you know, before we close out the the show tonight, man, you know, what do we think about this uh, Patriots game coming up uh, Sunday night? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to. Yeah, this it's, it's going to be kind of tough to analyze because is Cam going to play? Yeah, right. Because exactly, because Stidham could play. I saw Cam had some uh, nagging neck pain or whatever the case may be there, but I also have some some PTSD going into this one because I had tweeted out today that 
going into a Patriots game for, for the Ravens, for the past couple of years, it's always been like that hype behind it. But now it's just like, uh, like cool playing the Patriots this week, which is very rare because when you're ready for the Patriots week and there's no number 12 there, it's definitely different, especially when you're going to Foxborough. <laughs> especially when he had ter- you know, Terrell Suggs for the last few years right. that would it, not call him Tom Brady. He had to, he just referred to him as 12. Right, 12. exactly. Like, he wouldn't even call him that, yeah. So I will say it's going to be weird on prime time marching into Foxborough. Yeah. I mean, I literally – I mean, I'm, I'm 18, and growing up, all I heard was Foxborough, and that, that's, that was part of my vocabulary when I was younger. Because, I mean, those games were so significant and so important. We've had so many good battles there. So this game is going to be crazy, really, just going into it and not expecting number 12 there. But anyways, I don't think it's a good idea to go in. And I mean, they just obviously kept a close game with the Jets. So I'm not too worried. But again, you don't, you never want to uh, underestimate a Bill Belichick-led football team. No, but uh, Cam Newton. Um, Man. I, I've... I've been kind of on the fence about Cam Newton like his entire career I've met him um you know I met him at the Super Bowl a few years back he was really really you know he's a pretty cool guy I guess you know uh he he messed around with me a little bit pushed me in this crowd and everything being real real funny and you know I've kind of wanted to root for him and I hope the best for him but I'm watching him now man and he just he looks awful he doesn't look good he mm-hmm. he looks he looks bad. He you know, I know Steve Smith and him just didn't get along, you know, the last couple of years before Steve kind of got the hell out of there and came to Baltimore, but uh yeah, Cam just he, he looks rough and you know, they've got no Julian Edelman and they're 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 running a the ball with Rex friggin' Burkhead of all guys and and it's just that team looks bad and it's almost like they want to lose like that game yesterday i watched it just seemed like no team wanted to win oh and i just funny you were talking about this because i, I came <laughs> I, I, I we were came. watching flacco to paraman man <laughs> You're and, right. oh i loved it uh, and a cam newton quote just came through my uh my twitter right now the doubt is fuel for cam newton he said i'm, I'm getting tired of sucking so <laughs> Man, I I think it, like I said, you don't want to underestimate a Cam Newton or a Bill Belichick led team because they're both fighters. But at this point for the the Patriots, like it just seems like they don't want to win. You know what I mean? Like that game yesterday, it didn't seem like any team. It was seemed like a tank bowl. So I'm not worried about the Patriots if I if I was being honest. But I, I don't think no. it's I don't think it's a good idea to go in and underestimate them. Obviously, just because they do have a, a talented defense. Well, secondary, should I say? Because I've always been a big fan of J.C. Jackson and Gail Moore and Jonathan Jones. But, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, if I had to guess, I, I, I imagine we'd go in there and light them up. Yeah, I want to see one of those 2019 Ravens games. I want to see, I, I want to relive one of those this season. I want to. I want them to go in there and put up 40-plus points and just whoop whoop the Patriots' ass. That's that's what I want to see. I I, I want to see one of those games where Lamar throws three or so touchdowns and you know and 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 you know uh, I don't know Mark Andrews catches one. I want to see Hollywood get one. I want to see J.K. Dobbins go off. I, I, you know that's what I want. I want it to be a damn party. I want it to be just a damn and I party. I think it's it's nice to have like so. This is what I'm saying. Like we played the Steelers and we're kind of. Tr- at that point in the year where we're trying to find our identity, 
So we just played the Colts, who are obviously that AFC playoff contender, and the Patriots are kind of a layoff real quick because these next two games are going to be crucial. So I think it's, as I mentioned before, stringing off those offensive performances and just keep building off that. And we're playing the Patriots this week. So I think if there's any game to build your momentum, actually set that stadium on fire, maybe a Jackson 5, go into Tennessee hot, and let's just keep this thing rolling. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because that's, that's what we want. We want to peak at the right time. Yeah, we want to get. We need a little bit of a get right game. We we. Uh, I think the the Colts game was a successful game. We played from behind. We dealt with a little bit of adversity, um, with a you know a couple of more injuries. Um, so yeah, yeah. I like what I saw there. We need to build off of that. Go into Foxborough. You know, beat the hell out of the Pats and and and. Uh, enjoy that um, and hopefully come out healthy and, and get ready for Tennessee the following week, you know. So, you know, that's what we're hoping for. Always. Absolutely. Well, Ramey, I think that does it for tonight's show. You know, what do you think? Man, I think we really covered everything. I I think next week we'll have something to talk about, especially going to that Tennessee game. But, yeah, pretty pretty simple podcast today. Yeah, it was pretty clean. Pretty clean. Not we didn't have to rant, you know. No, you know. I, no. I think that's. I mean, that's important because last week's podcast was. Man, it was a real downer, and you know, what yeah, I mean, yeah. I, think I had a little bit had... of high blood pressure, in right? That, that and one. That, that was a real downer. And I think really anything could have happened this week that would have uh, that wasn't a loss, and we would have felt better because I'm not gonna lie. Last week was probably the toughest week I had as a Ravens fan in a, in a while. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I think we're just gonna have a good podcast next week too. If I'm being honest with you, I do too. I think it's gonna be a happy little podcast yeah, that we do next week. Exactly, and I can't wait for it. I sure as hell hope so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to the show. I'm Bob. He's Blake. Uh, tune in next week, and until then, don't forget, go Ravens. Mm-hmm.